Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own empire. Empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone, we are so, so pumped because this week we have a really fun announcement. Kay and I launched our own magnesium super blend called Be A Vibe. We are just so passionate about this. It's a mineral that we've been taking over the years. We've always wanted to create our own with Bia. So the time is finally here and we officially launched yesterday. So our baby is out in the world. We're so excited. It's a powder that you can take with a drink, warm, cold. I personally love it. You know, we talk all about in our interview today, the powers of magnesium. But personally for me, you know, I've talked a lot about this on the podcast, but stress management is something I'm thinking about a lot. Sleep is something that I've dialed in over the past few years, which has been game changing and, you know, supporting hormones. And magnesium is this magic mineral truly that has all these powers. So it's just such an incredible win for us, Kea. We're so excited that it's out there for people to try. And it's a very big week for us. Such a big week, Yasmin. You know what's crazy is if you look up symptoms of magnesium deficiency, the list is endless. PMS, muscle aches and pains, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, digestive issues, skin issues, anxiety, depression. These can all be signs that there could potentially be a magnesium deficiency. For me personally, I actually got tested in the past and was actually had a real magnesium deficiency. When I was pregnant, I was dealing with a lot of just aches and pains in my legs. I was getting a lot of palpitations, which I know is a very common symptom for people these days, especially people who are under a lot of stress. And I started taking magnesium and I felt significantly better. Magnesium is one of those supplements that's actually pretty safe for most people. Of course, if you're introducing something new, you're on medication, you always want to talk to your doctor. But magnesium is one of those like miracle things that it pretty much works for everyone. And we're so excited because we knew as soon as we started Bia that one day we were going to have our very own magnesium product available to people everywhere. And it's out there. It's finally here, which is so, so exciting. And we wanted to have a conversation about the many, many benefits of magnesium. So we asked Dr. Barb, who has a magnesium ebook, which is just incredible and goes through all of the ways magnesium works in our bodies to just come on the podcast and talk about it, which is what we're going to do today. Our product, Bia Vibe, is a highly absorbable magnesium with three high-quality forms of magnesium. If you want to learn more about it, go to BiaWellness.com or check out the show notes. So this week, we have Dr. Barb. As a licensed naturopathic doctor and a health advocate, Dr. Barb empowers patients with knowledge and provides tools and motivation needed to level up our health and wellness. Her clinical focus and passion is in women's health, stress management, inflammation, nutrition, and she has a love for magnesium which we talk all about today. So let's get into it. Dr. Barb, welcome to the show. It seems like everyone right now is talking about magnesium. Why is that the case? And why should we even be talking more about this special mineral? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question because as we had mentioned um, off air, it's it's a mineral that doesn't get a lot of attention or it hasn't had a lot of attention in the past. So the fact that we're getting a little bit more awareness around it is really fantastic because magnesium is an essential mineral. So first of all, it's important to know that our body doesn't make it. We have to bring it in from outside sources. So either through food or through some form of supplementation. Um, and it's the fourth most abundant mineral in the body. And so it's obviously a big part of what happens. It's also responsible for somewhere between 700 to 800 enzymatic reactions. And what that means in plain English is that it has its hands in everything. Um, so in all the different processes in the body, it uh, does DNA, RNA, it's in our energy processes. Um, and pretty much they regulate our day-to-day -day metabolic functions. And so it's super, super important. In fact, every cell in the body contains magnesium and needs it to function. So magnesium is one of those supplements or one of those minerals, either whether from food or supplement, that it seems like pretty much everybody can benefit from. So why do you think that people these days are so deficient in magnesium and what depletes our body of magnesium? Yeah, so 75% of us are consuming less than the recommended daily allowance amount for magnesium. And this is why we're seeing such high deficiencies somewhere in the between the 70 to 80% range. And there's actually a study out there um, that actually states it's in the Journal of Intensive Care Medicine, I believe. And it stated that a deficiency in magnesium makes you twice as likely to die as someone who is actually taking magnesium. So um, not that I want to scare you, but the reason they made that claim and the reason they made that statement was because of all the different reactions and enzymatic processes that this mineral plays in. So it's everything from inflammation, heart, all of these things are critical pieces of our health. And so this is why magnesium deficiency is actually kind of like a silent epidemic and is a problem. And it's something that we need to address. Now, the thing with magnesium deficiency is there are a lot of things that can deplete our magnesium. And when we're looking to supplement or bring in enough magnesium, we kind of have to look at what it is that's depleting the magnesium and then kind of correcting that so that we're not just supplementing for no reason, right? Because if you're depleting it as fast as you're bringing it in, we're not any further ahead. So some of the big things are obviously our foods don't have the same amount of minerals and vitamins in it due to, you know, farming techniques changing, large scale commercial farming practices. Um, these kinds of things have started to deplete magnesium in our food sources. We also know that food processing, so if we eat a lot of processed foods and we're not cooking as many foods from scratch, we are not going to get the same amount of magnesium because we know that the processing actually removes the magnesium. Also, sugar is a major robber of magnesium, right? So it's going to, um, if you're like, addicted to sugar or you like a lot of sugar things, it's going to take a lot of magnesium molecules to process that sugar. And it's, 
I think approximately 54 molecules of magnesium to process one molecule of sugar. And so you can see how much magnesium is being taken up just from sugar consumption. We also know that stress is something that's going to deplete our magnesium. Magnesium helps stress, but stress also depletes our magnesium if we're, we're not dealing with it uh, in a proper way. It's kind of like a vicious cycle. Obviously, poor absorption. So anybody who has GI inflammation, GI issues, IBS, Crohn's, um, colitis, anybody who has any type of absorption issue is going to have an issue with getting in enough magnesium. Obviously, as we age, we also absorb less. So that's going to be a problem. Medications. Medications are a huge uh, robber of magnesium. So antibiotics, birth control pills, proton pump inhibitors, diuretics, statins, corticosteroids. I mean, these are really popular um, medications. And we know that one out of every three Americans are on some form of a medication, and it's usually one of these. And so we know that these deplete magnesium. And if you're not actually bringing in enough magnesium to cover the depletion, we can see that we're really um, underutilizing the capacity of what we have available as far as magnesium. Fluoride some will also, because it binds to magnesium it, and it also competes for its absorption. So if we have a lot of fluoride from toothpaste, water, all the other areas they put in fluoride, we're going to have an issue. Um, the, and then finally, um, high vitamin D supplementation. So this is another one where we need magnesium to actually absorb vitamin D or activate vitamin D in the liver and the kidneys. But if you supplement vitamin D in large doses, it actually intensifies the magnesium deficiency, especially if you're already deficient. So you're not going to absorb it and you're also going to make the deficiency worse. So those would be the top kinds of um, reasons why we see a population that's so deficient in this mineral. You know, it's so crazy looking at your social. I know you've mentioned that 70% of women are not getting their dietary intake of magnesium. I know the whole population, given the reasons you said, are insufficient in magnesium, but why specifically women? We have to kind of step back and look at hormone production. We have to look at women and bone health and estrogen loss, like as we get into perimenopause and menopause. So we know that certain factors start to increase. So cardiovascular disease starts to increase, bone density starts to decrease. Um, these are all factors as we see estrogen start to decline. And so when women are deficient or they're losing a lot more magnesium because of stress, inflammation, insulin resistant, we become more insulin resistant in perimenopause and that's without doing anything. And so we are going through our magnesium stores much quicker. Um, and so women tend to be more deficient and that deficiency plays a much higher role. Like we see it more in uh, the population of women than we do with men. I'm curious about the vitamin D topic because I come from a South Asian background and I know a lot of minorities are deficient in vitamin D. I'm deficient in my vitamin D. So I have to take upwards of 5,000 units at times to get my to even like a normal range. Right. Uh, not that you're giving medical advice or anything here, but for anybody who's in that situation where they are supplementing with higher vitamin D, what would you recommend there? Yeah, so obviously it's going to be based upon your individual instance, right? Um, and I often like, if I see people who struggle with 
um, absorbing vitamin D or having to take great amounts of vitamin D, then I'm looking at, okay, what's going on? Why are they not absorbing that vitamin D properly? And the first place you have to look is the liver and the kidneys. And do we have the enzymes available for that absorption to happen? So if your magnesium is consistently low, you're going to have a lot of trouble trying to get vitamin D to become activated. Now, what's happening is when you take, and this is the reason why it intensifies the deficiency, when you take the mag or the vitamin D in high amounts and you can't activate it, it's not doing anything, it's stored, right? And so now we have more calcium being made that's not broken down because magnesium also breaks down calcium. So now we're at risk for more um, spurs and um, calcium deposits and kidney stones and those kinds of things. So what we have to look at is, is there enough magnesium in the system? So usually what I will do is I will test magnesium and I'll test vitamin D and I'll look at where they're at. And if I see that they're not optimal in magnesium like testing, like where they are in that, then I will try to dose higher on magnesium and still keep vitamin D at a reasonable dose until I can get their magnesium levels up to optimal levels. I love that. You're like an investigator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I feel like you, you have to take the step back and look at what's going on behind the scene because the v vitamin D not absorbing is actually just the the problem that's happening, right? And so um, in our population, we are very good at doing, let's just do more and more and more and more. And, and that isn't always solving the problem. And sometimes it makes things worse, right? More isn't always better. Um, and so you shouldn't have to be um, you know, dosing vitamin D at 50,000 units or 10,000 units all the time. Um, sure, if you're very depleted and we're starting out with baseline, um, I don't know, here in, in Canada, we sometimes will just refer them back to family their family doctors and they will prescribe 10,000 IUs or 50,000 IUs to get them started. But at the same time, I'm making sure that that magnesium is really supported and really, um, you know, making sure that we've got enough coming into the system so that they can actually utilize what they're what they're getting. Hey, everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. Yeah, and I know, Dr. Barb, you've mentioned already throughout the interview a few signs of what magnesium deficiency can look like, but can you kind of 
talk us through? Because I know it could just impact so many different levers that I think even for myself being in wellness, I wasn't even aware of until I came across you and your content. Yeah. And and the thing with the magnesium um, deficiency signs, because magnesium is involved in just so many of those enzymatic reactions and processes in the body, um, a deficiency can have many signs and symptoms that are actually part of other health conditions, right? And so a lot of the times, these other health conditions are, they take prevalence. And so they don't actually look at whether or not that's actually a magnesium deficiency or not. But some of the more common ones are going to include headaches, poor concentration, migraines, brain things, right? Anxiety, mood, depression, nervousness. Um, We see muscle aches, pains, cramping, tingling, nerve issues. Mm. Um, A lot of the times that is, you know, we don't have enough magnesium. And so then we get like the tingling of the hands and feet. Um, We have sleep and stress related issues, uh, cognitive disturbances, especially in the elderly, we get more cognitive decline. GI disturbances, gastrointestinal, that's huge. And often magnesium is not thought about when it's um, any type of GI issue. Obviously, heart-related things, blood pressure, cardiac arrhythmias, um, those kinds of things like cholesterol, inflammation, blood sugar dysregulation. You know, it's it's a big thing in, in, in insulin resistance and blood sugar regulation low vitamin D status, as we talked about. So a lot of these things you can put with other health conditions. And so this is often why, you know, the most common ones that we hear is, oh, you can't sleep, take magnesium. Oh, Mm -hmm. if you have joint pain or whatever, you take magnesium. But you don't hear about a lot of the other things because they're kind of grouped into these other health conditions. And they're not kind of thought of as, oh, maybe we should look at the magnesium and see if that can improve things. You talked a little bit about the connection between magnesium and estrogen, but I, I want to talk a, more about the connection between magnesium and our hormones. Can you talk about specifically things like our insulin and our thyroid? Where does magnesium fit into our hormones? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, it's magnesium's involved in a lot of the regulation of, of hormones and, you know, sex hormones, thyroid, insulin, vitamin D, these are all hormones. And so it plays a role in the production of those hormones, the secretion of those hormones. And so it's for proper functioning, we need to have enough magnesium. Now, when it comes to insulin, this is a big issue because I think the last stat was only 6% of Americans are actually metabolically healthy. Um, And when we're looking at metabolic health, we have to look at insulin and glucose. And this seems to be an issue that is even in Canada. I mean, it's part of, it's probably 80% of my practice um, is blood sugar regulation and all the factors that that causes um, from a metabolic perspective. But magnesium just helps to use uh, or the body use glucose uh, for energy and it improves that insulin sensitivity because magnesium actually, the insulin receptor depends on that magnesium in order to become more sensitive. And there's a huge study through the nurses health study um, that they looked at and they actually revealed that the a higher intake of magnesium was associated with a lower risk of type 2 diabetes and it's for that very reason and if we also if we're insulin resistant we have the opposite we start to 
lose magnesium, right? So because we're excreting it through the kidneys. And so we really need to pay attention to insulin resistance and make sure that our magnesium levels are adequate so that that insulin receptor can respond and function appropriately. Sometimes magnesium has even been called the natural metformin kind of thing alongside berberine because those two actually sensitize that receptor to want to take up that insulin. From a thyroid perspective, we have to look at the production of the thyroid hormone, which magnesium is responsible for. And it's essential in the production of those, uh, of those thyroid hormones. It also helps to convert the active or less active T4 into active T3, um, which is really important because you can have a lot of T4, but if you don't have the T3 happening, then you're going to have a lot of symptoms of, you know, thyroid, hypothyroidism, sometimes even that. So they'll, they'll give Synthroid or some form of T4 to people who have thyroid issues, but because the person can't convert it, they still kind of feel like crap because they're not getting any of that active T3. And so they're still tired and things are still kind of um, moving slowly and they get weight gain and all of these things. And so looking at making sure that they're actually being able to convert um, T4 to T3 is really, really important. And then of course, there's the anti-inflammatory nature of um, magnesium. And especially since we know, you know, a high percentage of of hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune form of thyroid, which comes with a ton of inflammation. And so we can see that anti-inflammatory um, issue coming from magnesium that can be very helpful. You know, one thing you mentioned in another interview when I was prepping for you is you also say that magnesium shines with estrogen dominance. We have a lot of our customers who are dealing with that. So I'd love to get your perspective around how magnesium can support and detoxify estrogen in our bodies. Yeah. So one thing, it's very specific, um, but we have to remember that once estrogen is metabolized in the body, it has to be basically removed from the body. So our metabolites, our hormone metabolites need to be shunted out of the body. And so there are different phases of detoxification that take care of that. But one of the phases of detoxification is called the comp pathway and the comp pathway requires magnesium in order for us to shuttle that excess estrogen or the breakdown of those metabolites out of the body and when we see estrogen dominance we're getting a recycling a lot of the times of that those hormone metabolites and so most times when we're looking at um, something like a Dutch test or um, something that can tell us what the functioning of that comp is, um, we can see that, okay, they're not able to actually get rid of the estrogen. So then we have to go back and we have to look at magnesium status. If we improve the magnesium status, we improve the comp status, we improve how we eliminate some of those estrogen metabolites. So it plays a really important role because it's a, it's like in a it's part of this transactional rate limiting kind of step. So if this step isn't working, we're recycling and this mm. is not what we want. Um, and so it becomes really important. I came across this video, which is how I knew that magnesium was hitting mainstream. There's a rapper, his name is Big Sean. And one of his songs, he's literally rapping about how when he was 19 years old, he was dealing with all sorts of cardiovascular issues. They took him to a cardiologist. The cardiologist said, you need a pacemaker. He could barely walk across the room. He was having just trouble breathing. And his mom was said, I'm not putting a pacemaker in this 19 year old. I'm going to take him to a naturopathic doctor, integrative doctor. 
they did some deeper investigation and gave him magnesium. And within one week, he was completely fine. Um, His rhythm returned to normal. He had energy and he's he's rapping about this. It's kind of interesting. And so it, it, it started to circulate everywhere just about this specific song of his. So we know heart disease is a number one killer right now, um, especially amongst women. So can you dive a little bit deeper into the connection between magnesium and our heart health? Yeah. And we have to look at like, when we're looking at heart disease or cardiovascular disease, we have to look at inflammation, right? And so this is a big piece um, when we're looking at all types of heart disease. And so when we look at inflammation and it you know, magnesium is an anti-inflammatory on top of everything else, but it's very well known to regulate heart rate. It's very well known to work in arrhythmias. It's very well known to reduce blood pressure. But then we also have to look again, step back, what's causing blood pressure? Most times insulin resistance, right? So if insulin is high, it's going to throw out some things. And one of those things is blood pressure. So what did we mention about insulin and magnesium? They have a connection as well. So it's it's many different touch points that touch on and why it's become and probably known in a great deal of, of the community for heart health because of all of those reasons. Um, and, you know, palpitations, um, anxiety that causes palpitations, um, even just irregular heartbeat. A lot of those, um, once we get enough magnesium into the system, we tend to see improvement. We have to remember magnesium is an electrolyte as well, right? So it forms as part of the potassium, sodium, magnesium chloride kind of picture. So we know electrolytes are super important when it comes to heart health. So it touches a lot of different bases, but it is fantastic um, for heart health and something that I use in practice a lot for cardiovascular issues. I love that. Kay, I had no idea Big Sean was rapping about magnesium. That's so fun. I love it. Um, you know, one topic that we talk a lot about on this podcast is stress. And I know you mentioned, you know, with magnesium, there's kind of like this inverse relationship that magnesium can support stress, but if you're stressed, it could deplete you of magnesium. But whenever I feel like overwhelmed or have a busy day, my go-to, I'll go and kind of put our magnesium in water and I'll take it just proactively because I know the powers behind it. But can you kind of walk through how magnesium can support, you know, anxiety, stress, depression, and what's actually happening in our bodies that we see such incredible results there. Right. And we had touched upon it being this vicious cycle where um, if we don't have the magnesium available, the physical symptoms of stress are going to be a lot worse. Um, And those physical symptoms of stress are just going to keep further depleting. Um, So it's really, it's not a good situation to be in. But when our body is under stress. So we have acute stress and chronic stress, and I'm going to touch more on chronic stress because acute stress is something that happens. It's very common. It's very normal. It's a regulated response, but then it kind of disappears and and we're okay. And our body kind of goes back to functioning. It's that chronic low-grade stress that's always there that's causing um, a lot of the inflammation and issues in, in our health. And so when our body is under stress, magnesium can come um, come and help just downgrade that stress response. So it reduces cortisol levels. So it's the excess cortisol 
Because when we have a stress response, we get a, a hit of this norepinephrine and adrenaline. And those are kind of the first things that kind of get released and we have the stress response. But then cortisol comes along. So it's not always the cortisol that happens first. But when we see chronic stress, we see elevated cortisol. And cortisol is what causes a lot of the stress response symptoms. Now, I don't want to downplay cortisol. Cortisol is a very necessary hormone. We need it. But when cortisol's out of you know, its range, it does the opposite of everything, right? So it increases blood pressure, it decreases your immune system, it increases your blood sugar. Like it just causes the opposite of what it's supposed to do. And a lot of those are involved in that stress response symptom. So it just allows cortisol to kind of regulate and magnesium does a fantastic job at that. Obviously, when we have a lot of stress, anxiety, we have tension, right? So tension, um, muscles start to get tense. A lot of people get headaches. A lot of people get neck pain. They have different sensations in the body that they become anxious over because of the tension. So magnesium comes in, relaxes the muscle, balances out that nervous system, and of course, um, reduces the physical tension. It also makes sure that um, it keeps calcium in the cell, right? So when we get stressed or we have anxiety, if we have too much calcium that's in our cell that isn't actually being used, this is what's causing that rigidity, right? So magnesium comes in and breaks down the calcium, sends it to its appropriate spots, which is normally the bones. Um, and it then allows for some of that rigidity to decrease. And then finally, we see a lot of oxidative stress. So oxidative stress often referred to free radical damage. Um, this is damage that is happening to our tissues from this chronic load of stress. And we know that um, magnesium helps to reduce that oxidative stress, reduce the free radicals, and um, obviously minimize damage to our cells. But we also know that, you know, magnesium acts almost like a positive kind of modulator for oxytocin, right? So it's like, I always say to patients, it's like the minerals just giving you this big hug all the time and you're getting that oxytocin release. Um, and so that's what magnesium does, especially in high stress um, situations. I can see why it's all of our favorite yes. minerals. <laughs> I'm going like, to take it all day, miracle, every day. <laughs> mineral. And you have a fantastic ebook on magnesium, which Yasmin and I have purchased. And I highly recommend it to anybody who's listening, but you kind of go through all of the different body systems that magnesium is involved in. And one that was a little bit more surprising to me or that I didn't know too much about was the connection between magnesium and our skin. And so we have a lot of women who reach out to us who are struggling with loads of different things, hormonal irregularities that can manifest as skin issues. So I'd love to dive in a little bit more into that. Right. So <laughs> one of the big things with skin, and this is where we don't see magnesium talked about a lot. We see a lot more other products coming into the scene, but we also know that magnesium plays a role in GI health. We know that GI health plays a role in what happens on the outside of our skin. And it's kind of like this reflection of what your gut health is like. So magnesium helps in several different ways. A, it's going to help with some of that beneficial bacteria. It's going to calm that inflammation. It's going to help support good gut health, microbiome health, which is 
usually where we have to start. But another thing that magnesium is responsible for is um, it is the precursor um, or it's um, the enzyme required to make glutathione. And glutathione is your anti-aging kind of really important antioxidant um, molecule. And if you don't have enough magnesium, you are definitely not making enough glutathione and you can have all the NAC and alpha lipoic acid and all of those things. But if you don't have magnesium in that mix, we're not going to make that. And so it helps to protect obviously um, the skin from that external damage. It's gonna regulate cellular regeneration and repair and all of those things. And that is going to be really important when it comes to skin health. We also know that it improves the skin's overall appearance. So oftentimes when I have patients that have like a redness to their skin, whether it's rosacea or maybe eczema or something, it helps to reduce that redness. It helps to reduce acne, even like pustular or um, cystic acne. So again, we have to work on the underlying causes as well, but just throwing that magnesium into that mix can make a big difference when it comes to skin health. And those are probably my biggest touch points is A, it's going to repair and help with the gut. We're going to get more glutathione production. And of course, we know that it's going to help with that cellular regeneration and repair. And also gray hair too, right? Because really? I swear, I mean, when I get my glutathione levels back sure. up and running, I swear I started reversing my grays. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Glutathione is like your anti-aging antioxidant, right? So like wrinkles, um, fine lines, graying hair. I mean, it's so important in like for our immune system and everything, right? So it's a really important um, antioxidant. And most of us, you know, deplete that with many different types of oxidative stress and free radicals and, and all of these things that come in and that it kind of competes with. So I'm sure anyone who's listening, Dr. Barbara, like, all right, I'm sold. Magnesium is amazing. I know in our product, we included three kinds of magnesiums, but what are your favorite ones? I know we get that question a lot in terms of what should I take? How much? We have our favorites, but I'd love to hear kind of how you think through the different kinds of magnesium and maybe dosages. Yeah. So this is probably the most common question yeah. I get asked in any capacity um, yeah. is what magnesium should I take? And so I have recently come out with a magnesium handbook, which is an ebook that is that just goes through all the different forms of magnesium because I felt like there was so much misconception out there with different forms. And, you know, sometimes we are greenwashed or health washed when it comes to supplements in stores and 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 you know some of these comments that I was getting, I was really getting concerned. And so I thought, you know what, I got to put something together where people really know like, okay, this form is going to help in these, these kind of categories. So I've, I've done a complete deep dive on that. Um, but I would probably say um, my favorite or my favorite three top forms are bisglycinate or glycinate, same thing. Um, I also use a lot of L3 innate and sometimes I'll use citrate and malate. So this glycinate I find is a, a really great 
all around form. So it touches on a lot of different aspects. It's gentle, it's well tolerated. It doesn't require stomach acid for its absorption. So I can give it to people who have gastrointestinal issues where they're having trouble absorbing um, nutrients. And so they can still benefit from it. I use it when I'm, I'm, I wanna hone in on more than one area or when I want to improve someone's magnesium levels. The RDA for magnesium is 310 to 420 milligrams. The RDA needs to be updated. Um, it was last updated in 1997 and it was based upon the average weight for females and males. This is how they come up with an RDA. However, in a study that was done in 2021, it was has stated that the average weight for a male and female has increased somewhere between 35 to 40 pounds, which means that even with the RDA, we're probably in the deficit of 200 milligrams per day. So um, that's a lot, right? Like when you add that up, that's a lot. Um, but really dosing is going to be dependent upon how many of those factors that you have that are depleting magnesium. It's going to be dependent upon what health conditions you have and how much you need. Honestly, I usually use different dosages, but it can range anywhere from the RDA to 1,000, sometimes even 1,500 milligrams, depending upon the patient and depending upon the issue or the, the symptoms at hand. My second one would probably be L3 and 8. I use this a lot for mood disorders, anxiety, depression, uh, cognitive function, so um, post-concussive traumatic brain injuries, concussions those kinds of things. It's amazing. There's so much good research coming out on this um, magnesium. It's shown that it can reverse your brain age by nine years. And they did this on older adults. They weren't dementia, but they were cognitive declining and they, they met the cognitive decline um, definition. And so that's a huge, and this was after 12 weeks of, of supplementation. So not a long time. And we know that L3 and 8 is super, super great because it has the ability to cross that blood-brain barrier, which some of the other magnesiums don't. Um, so that's my probably my second, you know, most favorite form. I know it's hard and then, to Yeah. And then I have citrate and malate that I use kind of citrate more for digestive function, but I have to be careful because citrate with a lot of the histamine issues that are going on nowadays, it is high in histamine. So it will trigger histamine issues if you have a histamine mean concern. Um, so, but I do use it. It's great for constipation. Um, it's great for, I use it for GERD, like acid reflux. I use it for digestion, indigestion. It works really good for those. Yeah. And then malate, I use a lot for fatigue, energy, fibromyalgia, people who have like individual, like just a lot of joint and bone pain, um, muscle pain. Um, it's a really good form. I also use it to detoxify aluminum. It's really good for that. Malate. Um, so there's, there's, yeah. So I break that all down in, in, in my ebook and just so that everybody has like okay, here it is. And this is what yeah. it's all good for. But there's so much, I mean, I've gone through, there's 12,000 plus publications on PubMed and I've probably read a lot of those um, and just picked out different things. And then of course, applied it in practice. So I have some, you know, N of 20 or N of 50 studies um, where I see such great results from magnesium. But one thing I do want to preface is um, a lot of magnesium 
formulas. So I don't tend to use formulas too often. Sometimes if I want to use um, specific two or three, I will use one, but I tend not to use like the six and seven. A lot of them have oxide mixed into them and I get it, it's buffered, but what I don't like and what I have done is called the manufacturer to see what the numbers are of each of the forms. And sometimes we find oxide is like the number one form that they're putting in there. Wow. And we know oxide's not absorbable. 5% is what we absorb. So at best, it's a great laxative. If someone's really constipated, oxide is probably a really good solution, but I would not use it for any type of absorption issues or anything like that. You mentioned also what I love and why we love this mineral too, just all the research behind it. And I'm sure this might be your second most popular question is, is it safe? Like, what do you think, Dr. Barb? Is it safe for me to take magnesium? I'd love your thoughts around that. Magnesium is a pretty safe mineral. It does have some interactions, so it is always good to, if you're taking medications, um, it's always good to kind of touch base with your healthcare provider and just make sure that it's not interacting with your medications or the timing of your medications. So a good one, for instance, would be the thyroid medication, Synthroid. You cannot take magnesium and Synthroid together. You're going to have an interaction and your Synthroid's not gonna work as well. So you wanna make sure that you're at least four hours away from Synthroid medication. Um, you also, if you're on blood pressure medication, you have to be careful as to when you're dosing it because you could drop in blood pressure and those, those kinds of things. Um, but uh, from an overall perspective, the one um, area where you do have to be careful is um, people that have any type of kidney disease or kidney issues because that is how magnesium is excreted through the kidneys. Um, and so with any type of kidney disease or kidney functioning issues, we have to be cautious and they do have to be kind of monitored by a healthcare practitioner. Most times if you take too much magnesium, you're either just gonna get GI upset or you're going to have very loose stool. <laughs> but that's pretty much the biggest side effects. I mean, everybody, is different. And I've had patients that have said, you know what, I've taken the magnesium and I actually feel more anxious. And so again, you've got to step back and look at what's going on. If their cortisol levels are really, really high and you're throwing all this magnesium at them, they're going to get more anxious because the body is just trying to, you know, balance or come to a homeostasis. And we still have this issue up here with cortisol. So we have to sometimes just step back and really start slow and low and deal with some of the other things that are going on and then kind of bring it in. So it's advisable to always, you know, consult a healthcare practitioner for sure, because I do have patients that have some issues initially. Sometimes I find that even when I recommend some sort of magnesium or like a very gentle sleep aid or some sort of cortisol manager or something that people feel so relaxed that they, it, it makes them anxious. Like they don't know what to do with that feeling. Um, which kind of reminds me of what you just said. Yeah, because like we are, we live in a society where we're always tense and stressed, right? Like we're always yeah. like, we're always going. So when you start to really feel that relaxation and that calmness, that can become an issue because you're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Like our body always adjusts to this new normal. So in practice, I have a lot of patients that come in and I'll be like, so what's your stress level like? Oh, none. <laughs> 
I'm like, okay. And then when we kind of do the work, they're like, oh my goodness, I was like so stressed. Like, I can't believe that it was just normal, but that's what the body does is adapts, right? And so this is how we get chronic low-grade stress, chronic low-grade inflammation. These things are happening underneath the pain threshold and they're happening and simmering all the time. And so the body just says, this is my new normal. I have to go with this. And then when the next stressor comes, you're going to feel a little bit of a jolt out of that. Okay. I feel a little bit, but that's actually like mountains of stress at this point. And so when they get something like magnesium coming in, this is one of the reasons why they get so anxious. And sometimes they can actually have what's called rebound anxiety because you've just, you've tried to touch this mountain with a little bit of magnesium and the mountain's not ready to come down. And so it creates this anxiousness. Um, so yeah, we really have to step back and then kind of come at it from a different approach. I've had to start some people at like literally 50 milligrams just wow. to kind of get them going. And then eventually we get up to at least the RDA, if not a little bit more. You were talking about anxiety. Something that I hear a lot more often these days is people being diagnosed with ADHD early or even as adults. What's the connection between some of these more common sort of I guess you could call them brain disorders and magnesium. Yeah. So ADHD or ADD, um, those are go like, this is really on the rise. I mean, it includes a lot of brain function. So inattention, um, usually lack of concentration, lack of focus, hyper impulsivity, um, hyperactivity. So when we look at where all of that is originating, a lot of that is in the brain. And so we know that magnesium is really essential for brain function and it helps to keep a lot of the excitatory neurotransmitters, namely glutamate, um, within its limit. And so um, we see that when we support the actions of something like GABA, because it does have an affinity for the receptor GABA, magnesium will start to decrease that glutamate, increase GABA, and allows that person to become less hyperactive. But we also use the L3 and 8, for instance, for it to cross the blood-brain barrier because we know that it can get in there and it can help with that focus and concentration, which is a lot of that inattention inattentiveness that we see with ADHD. But we also know from the research studies that 70 to 80% of the people that are um, tested for ADHD are magnesium deficient. But when it comes to kids, it's 95%. Wow. So it's huge. So one of the first things we like to do is uh, put magnesium into the mix. Um, and then oftentimes there's a lot of research that um, shows that magnesium and B6 work really well together. Um, and so when we put that in um, and it was given to kids between like one to six months, most of their aggression, most of their um, instability or attention at school and their muscle spasms and rigidity and, and the twitching, it all improved. And so we know that deficiency that's showing up in this population is actually a lot of the reason why we're getting some of these symptoms happening. Wow. So fascinating. And I'm so curious, Dr. Barb, like what is your origin story around how you kind of fell in love with magnesium? I'm just loving talking to you. I probably could talk to you for hours about magnesium, but where did this come from and how did you develop this love affair with the mineral? You know what? I, 
I mean, when I went to school for naturopathic medicine and it's like a, it's a rigorous program. It's, it's, we, it's a lot of physical medicine. It's a lot of pathology, all of these things. We actually didn't learn much about magnesium. We didn't like it was, yeah, it was a, you know, mineral and it was important, but we didn't learn a ton about it in any type of capacity. And so when I got out of school um, and I started practice, one of the things, at least here in Canada, is our, our healthcare system is publicly funded. So most people will go to their doctors and it's covered and that's fine. And it's kind of, they come to a naturopath as a last resort. <laughs> and so they have this issue and then the doctor says, well, you know what, you got to live with it or we can't help you any further or whatever. And then they come to the naturopathic doctor and they're like, okay, you know, I have this issue and nobody can help me. What can I do? And so when I first started practice, I had like three or four cases that came in the door that it was like, okay, like they've tried everything. And so, and I had gone on PubMed and done some research and many times magnesium came up. And so I was like, okay, well, just going to throw magnesium at them and see what happens and see how they respond. Um, and I dosed it fairly high because these were people that had already tried many different things, had already gone to other practitioners, and then they were coming back with like improvements and they were coming back with, oh my goodness, like I feel so much better or, you know, I had tremors and they're gone and now I have like no more twitching and all of these things. And, and I just got more into the research and I was like, wow, like why did we not learn about all this stuff? Like why were we not taught? about something so important that is responsible for so much functioning um, that's happening in the body. And so I just started to dive deeper and that was, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. Wow. <laughs> and um, I just, yeah. And then I, I would keep mentally noting and, and making notes on the research um, as to, you know, what was coming up like with magnesium. That's why I said, like, I think I've probably read at least 80% of those 12,000 publications um, because I, I was just always looking for more and more and more. And then the more that I found out and the more I started to apply it to practice, the more I was like, okay, you know what? People need to know about this mineral because it really had, when I first started, I really, I heard nothing about it. It was like, I mean, I, there was the odd post that would say, oh, if you want to sleep or you want to have some stress mm -hmm. reduction, take magnesium. And that was kind of what it was known for. And, and I was like, okay, I think I need to get this out there and create this awareness around this mineral and, you know, get people to understand how important it is. And unfortunately, even the testing of magnesium, when you go to your doctor and you test magnesium, they usually just run serum magnesium, which is just magnesium in the blood, which really isn't going to give us any information because we have to remember most of the magnesium is in the bones and the tissues. There's only 1% in the blood and that's what they're testing. And so everybody's magnesium is going to come back somewhere within range um, because they're only testing 1%. Um, and so it becomes really difficult for people to even know, um, you know, are they deficient? And a better test is the red blood cell magnesium, which is um, not often run, but it is more relevant and can tell us more about the magnesium status. And I usually make sure that they are at the very high end of the red blood cell magnesium level. And I have had quite a few patients that have come back low when I test red. And then I know that they have some severe deficiencies, but you can have a deficiency in the presence of a 
blood test that shows that you have average range of red blood cell magnesium, which is why I tend to go to the very high end. So, and that's kind of how, and then I started an Instagram account about it and kind of, you know, put the information out there. And, you know, I've had some really great people ask me to be on their podcast like yourselves and to help get this information out there. And I have put together two eBooks to kind of help people just kind of get um, the information that they need without having to read all the research and science. <laughs> well, we're super thankful for everything that you've put out there to the world to spread the message about magnesium because we are a food is medicine based company. I'd love for us to end on maybe some of the um, foods that you recommend that are higher in magnesium that we can incorporate into our diets. What would be some of your top ones? Yeah, don't ever not bring in magnesium rich foods. I know I said the soil quality is poor and whatever, but I always, always tell patients this is one way that you can control how much magnesium comes in. Yes, you might not get the full amount, but it's always a good idea to just kind of incorporate food because it is medicine. Um, and so leafy greens, spinach, kale, collard greens, all of these greens are going to be really rich in magnesium. Um, seeds, pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin seeds are probably your highest magnesium that you can get. Um, you can almost get to the RDA level uh, with three quarters of a cup of pumpkin seeds. So putting them on your salads, you know, having them as snacks are, are a great way of getting in magnesium. But flax and chia also have some um, magnesium that's that's considered reasonable and moderate. Avocados are really good for uh, magnesium. They kind of provide, I think, around 60 milligrams of magnesium. Um, and they're also very heart healthy fats, right? So helps with that inflammation, cardiovascular. Legumes, but you have to be careful here because sometimes people have lectin um, issues um, and that can actually deplete um, magnesium. So, but lentils, beans, chickpeas, some of those things um, can be high in magnesium. Dark chocolate is good, but it comes with, you need to have it at least 70% cacao. Um, so an ounce of dark chocolate, I think is 65 milligrams of magnesium. So it's loaded with antioxidants. So it's a great little treat to have. Nuts are great. Almonds, cashews, Brazil nuts um, are usually the highest in magnesium. Um, fatty fish, so salmons, um, mackerels, sardines, those kinds of things um, are really good for magnesium. Bananas, we know them as potassium, but they are also um, high in, in magnesium. So those would probably tofu is also a really great option if you're um, vegetarian um, it has um, higher amounts of magnesium as well all my favorite foods <laughs> amazing well dr barb thank you so much for joining us and talking about magnesium it's just i think everybody's favorite mineral after this podcast if they're listening so super appreciate you and thanks for coming on it's been my pleasure and thank you so much for having me and getting out this awareness on magnesium thank you so much for listening to this episode of behind her empire if you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. 
To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.